Just putting what? it out there, boys. <laughs> hey, I'm all for it. It's Lukey got to convince. He's the hater. Welcome to the Deep Drop for another episode. I'm Luke McCredden. Adam Ring is with me as always and adds, what's the Deep Drop all about? How do we how do we explain it to people when you see them on the street? Well, think those trips you go away with your mates to go for a fish and the fishing's not quite up to standard mm. and you just sit there and start talking absolute dribble mm. and you ask some of the weirdest questions. Mm. We're actually going to try and answer them. That's great. What a great concept. I hope everyone's enjoying it so far. We're having a ball. And, and normally, ads, we just sort of throw straight to the first question. But we got a really special episode this time around because I got uh, a friend of ours said, I want to ask a few questions. And I said, no, you're coming in and you're going to ask the questions yourself. And <laughs> we are joined <laughs> by Mr. Andrew Hart. Welcome, Hardy. It's great to have you on the show. I can't tell you how much of a privilege and an honour it is to be on the show uh, Luke and Ads, I've been listening to the episodes, really enjoying it. I think your synopsis of the program, Ads, is spot on. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's what you talk about around the fire or perhaps behind the bar, um, yeah. you know, with a few froffies. That's it. And uh, and those questions that never really they never really have an answer and and in, you know a, a proper answer, but. Uh, it's just a fantastic concept, so I'm happy to be here. Well, it's great to have you here, and you're right. We just give our answers, but the beauty is yeah. we've got a lot of friends on Instagram that give us their answers as well, so it's awesome to see. Anyway, let's get into it because, Hardy, you are asking the questions tonight. Yeah, good. Does anyone really only run mono line these days? Oh, yeah, nice. Nice one. That's nice my question. One. Yeah, Great. good. Mono line. Do you understand what that is? You youngsters probably don't understand <laughs> yeah. what mono line is. Yeah it's, that, yeah, it's that stuff you put on a reel that feels like a rubber band. When yeah, you actually cat, cat. It's a great one um, coming from yourself, Hardy, because you are a, a Tasmanian through and through and you spend all your fishing days there, even though you've spent the best part of 20 years travelling the, the country and international fishing. But... The thing straight away that comes to my mind is the diehard snapper fisherman in Port Phillip Bay in Melbourne. Oh, Adam, I don't know, a massive percentage of those guys are using mono, all mono. Yeah, well, majority of them are, and there is a theory behind it. But I wonder if the theory is just to justify using mono still, <laughs> <laughs> or, or, if it's actually, or if it's actually legit. What is the theory? Because you're absolutely right about snapper fishermen, and it's not just Port Phillip Bay. Uh, you know, my cousin in Tasmania, he's the king snapper fisherman, and he uses mono. Troy Dicko Dixon from Wilson fishes for snapper in southeast Queensland, and he uses mono. And uh, right. when I go fishing with them, I feel completely like I'm winding left-handed or something because it's yeah. just such a different feeling when you go back to mono. Yeah. to braid uh it's just it's just a weird feeling but they all do it so what is the theory behind it i'd be interested to know well the theory for port phillip bay is you're you want as much hang time in the bait as possible 
So generally when we're fishing, we like to get carried away with just anchoring a bait to the bottom. And in some circumstances, you know, high tidal flow and things like that, you kind of need to. But Port Phillip Bay, where tidal flow is not, it's not crazy. It's about not getting the bait to the bottom insanely quick where all the pickers start to start to pick away at it. But I don't necessarily think mono achieves that any better than a braid does. The mono sits, because it's heavier than braid and it does sink, it does keep a more even belly in the line under the water. Now, because in Port Phillip Bay or even Western Port, or Victorian snapper fishing, we like to use 4,000 rods at once. <laughs> it's an issue when braid under the water isn't sitting true and it's got it's just going all over the place underneath. That's where you get tangles and bits and pieces. I The theory sounds good. I actually don't know how relevant it is. Like if you're just using four rods and they're spaced far apart and using braid, I don't actually know if you get more tangles than what mm. you would using mono. And I'd also don't know if that's relevant to what they're doing in, say, Queensland, New South Wales, where they have an offshore fishery. Yeah. I know they're fishing on bombies and bits and pieces, but I don't know. I must admit I learned something tonight. I, did, I thought it was a, a, a thing that was exclusive to Port Phillip Bay Snapper. I didn't realise people around the country were doing the mono thing. Hardy, your cousin is the most famous person in Tasmania. Why, what's his theory behind it? <laughs> I think he's just too tight to buy braid, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he doesn't like change. No, but I think uh, talking to him, I think he prefers to fight a big snapper on mono rather than on braid because snapper are pretty violent. You know, when you hook a good one, its head shakes and it's quite a quite a violent fight. You never really feel very comfortable with a big snapper, and particularly yeah. on braid, that is that is really really you know connected to you with no stretch. So. Mm. I guess with mono, you get a bit more forgiveness. Uh, you know, mono on a softer rod, it's probably less likely you're going to pull the hook out of its mouth, perhaps. Um, Dicko up in northern, uh, southeast Queensland, I'm not sure. You know, he uses it as well when he's sort of live baiting. So he does a lot of live baiting for snapper. Um, and look, catches big fish and wins all the comps. Um, and I think, too, it's about the fight for him. I think you wind into it, you set the hook, and, you know, once you've got him on mono, you're probably less likely to pull the hook. Mm. Yeah. I, I guess does anyone run it, and we, we've spoken about snapper for a fair bit, is anyone else running it? Like apart from, I suppose, game fishing, you know, is you've done plenty of game fishing, Hardy, 24 or 15, 37 kilo. Yeah. Like, So why do we use mono there? I don't know. Mm. Is it just because it's a I – don't, I don't know. Um, even swordfish fishing, you know, we use braid line up until about – the top 200 meters, which is back to mono, which again, I reckon is just comes back to the fight. Like just a bit of stretch is good in some situations. And I guess mono gives you a little bit more abrasion resistance too than what, you know, a tension, braid under tension, especially, especially those higher end, really thin purpose built braids for casting. If that comes into contact with anything under load, it's over. Like it doesn't matter if it's, the best braid ever or it's the worst braid ever if it's that you know that really slick and smooth ultra thin braid it's designed for maximum cast it's not really designed to withstand running up against whether it be the gun or the boat or a bit of reef or you know you're deep in a snag or something like that but it's weird though hardy are you seeing down in tassie too that even game fishermen are now starting to backspool with braid and 
we've got this obsession with getting spooled and <laughs> working in the tackle shop towards the end, you know, the last few years, everyone wants to try and fit a thousand meters of line <laughs> on a game reel. Like, when's the last time you were spooled? <laughs> I've never been spooled. And I, I laugh when people say that they get spooled. The closest probably I've ever come was a hook to Blue Marlin once out of Southwest Rocks on 24 kilo, and it was going to the horizon. Um, <laughs> and look, the line just broke, but it potentially could have spooled me maybe. Um, but generally speaking, a big tuna or something like that's not going to spool you. Mm-hmm. Um and you can always turn the boat around and chase it if you have to. So, no, I'm not sure. I think the reason that they're filling up reels with braid is because reels are getting smaller and the drags are getting better. So you can actually use lighter reels, um, game fishing reels as well. Um, you know, you can use so-called 30-pound reels and, and spool them up with, with say, five or 600 metres of braid and then and then 24 kilo. And the, the drag is good enough to be able to, to do that. So I think maybe there's something in that and just in the tackle advancement over the over the sort of course of time whereas back in the day you when you only had mono you had to have big reels to get enough mono on it i do know of another uh, type of angler that's still using mono and rightly so we've all got young children and i think they're the ones that need to keep using mono for a little while for sure <laughs> the tangles are yeah. endless <laughs> absolutely yeah, the so tangles it, are endless but i, yeah, I suppose so ch- children Mono children for children in the elderly because far out trying to watch my old man tie braid. Jesus. Well, okay, just... great. I tell you what, that that's a ripper question to get get us started, Hardy. So, do any does anyone run mono only? I think it's fair to say it's a big popular thing through game fishing, through snapper fishing, and through kids. But I'm not sure it's all that popular with many other applications. No, I've got no mono really on any of my rods in the shed. Yeah, I'd prefer not <laughs> to fish with mono at all, to be yep. honest. Yeah. Next question, lads. Are kingfish really dirty fighters? Wow, this is this is great. This is interesting and I think this will be a, a source of conversation for our Instagram followers, Adam, on the deep drop. We get a lot of engagement from our friends on Instagram, and this will be one, I think, Andrew, that we will see a bit of because I would say they're one of the most popular, fashionable species in the southern part of the country at the moment as we speak. Yep. For good reason. For great reason. Plenty of good yep. reasons. Um, yep. The question you bring to the table I find fascinating. Do you want to... Do you want to give us? Do you want to talk us through and give us your sort of thoughts on it first, Hardy? Sure. I don't think they are dirty fighters. I think they're very good fighters mm. and they pull a lot of line. But I don't think they're particularly dirty. But I've grown up believing, you know, from watching Rex Hunt and whatever else from back in the day and reading the magazine articles that if you hook a kingfish and there's structure around, you're dead. It's just going to swim straight to the structure and snag you. Now. Sometimes that happens, but I hypothesize that that only happens because they luckily enough swim in the right direction because a lot of other times they don't Mm. and they fight and they pull. And I don't know, I don't think I've ever been properly reefed or strung up by a big kingfish on purpose. (laughs) Not that Mm. I can ask him. I I don't think they're dirty. Okay, I like it. Ads, what are you like? You and I love kingfish. We talk about them often. We go chasing them often. 
it's not a question I've really thought about other than I, I've heard a lot about, and this used to bug me a lot when I used to be in a tackle store hearing people say they've been spooled by a kingfish. And I think <laughs> it's nearly impossible to get spooled by yeah, a kingfish unless you've got 15 metres of braid on your reel. Oh, and you're um, fishing with a drag, and you've got no drag. Uh, I don't know. What What do you reckon about this ads? I'll be. I haven't caught a lot of kingfish. Like every kingfish I've caught has been in your presence. Whether it's I know we've had a bit of a muck around out here in the early days, but in particular up at Naruma. Mm. And I was a little bit naive going into our first trip because I honestly just thought they were glorified Australian salmon. <laughs> and so, you know, so the the, fir- the first one I ever hooked on a jig was uh, I thought it was the biggest kingfish of all time. Turns out it was undersized. Yeah. So p- pound for pound, I agree with you, Hardy. They pull hard, but would I say it was dirty? Not, not really. But I honestly haven't caught enough around any sort of reef or bommy or something they could use to their advantage to say that they are. But I will throw another spanner in the works. Is the development in current fishing tackle maybe made them a little bit easier? Drags getting more powerful, rods getting more user-friendly, and you know they knock the fish over quick without putting the pressure on the angler. Do you think maybe modern tackle has taken the edge off them a little bit? Yeah. Oh, what do you think? Like you've, you're a kingfish, you know, nut. You you cut Montague Island there and catch kingfish. Yeah. To look at it like you, I think you've covered it. Both of you covered it perfectly in that there, there's no argument that they're strong and powerful and will make your arms hurt after a good session on kingfish, no matter big or small. But to think about it like that, I, you're right. I, I can't remember getting. I think. The, the majority of kingfish that I've probably lost um, after hooking up have probably been to sharks or seals, realistically. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure that they've got it in their mind that they want to head somewhere and, and do you dirty. I, I think you're onto something there, Hardy. And actually, you and I spent uh, some time in a beautiful north part of New Zealand a few years yep. back catching substantially big fish. So I think it's a good... Good to raise because there might be listeners out there thinking, oh, I'll wait till you hook a big one. I mean, we were catching fish, I don't know, eight, 20 kilos or something like that. Same deal. I think we lost a few to sharks. And yes, you'd certainly lose the odd one here or there for whatever reason. But I don't think in total there was the uh, the feeling that they were quickly, quickly turn it around because it's heading for that bombie or something. I'd- That's the reason I asked the question because I'm sick of people, particularly skippers, or whatever, saying, <laughs> quick, get it off the bottom. It's going to do you on the roof. And it wasn't actually kingfish that made me come up with this question. We were out catching stripy trumpet the other day, which are a big, beautiful, magnificent eating fish. You know, big. They probably pull harder than a snapper, I would say. And I was out with a bloke, very experienced fisherman. And he goes, and we were making a show. And he said something about, oh, you got to get them off the bottom quick because they'll reef you. And I'm just saying, that's bullshit. When, when was the last <laughs> time you actually reefed via stripy trumpeter? Um, it just doesn't happen. Yes, they fight hard. Kingfish fight hard. We've caught dog-tooth tuna that fight extremely hard uh, up off the Swain... Up, no, not the Swain's Reef. Up off um, Cato Reef and Wreck Reef, you know, 200 miles out to sea. Mm. And I just think the ones that got off and snapped you off ran in the right direction because... Others didn't. Like, it was just, it was lucky for them. I, just, I don't think there's, they're not dirty. 
So, so can I raise a, a question on top of this question then? That is any fish dirty? So it's a good question, I reckon. Mm. Big brown trout on the fly can be dirty. I've been, I've probably been dirtied more often than not with a big brown <laughs> trout on the fly than any, than any saltwater fish. They know where the structure is and they bury themselves. So you them. think that they'll they'll once they realise they're hooked, <laughs> they will go out of their way to try and mess you up and get off sometimes sometimes in shallow water they know where the structure is or where home is and where, where um other fish that are dirty are like the coddy things that live on the barrier reef like coral trout and and those brown coddy things of which there's a hundred different species they're <laughs> dirty they're like they're like the little mangrove jack yeah I was are, gonna they, say those, are they yeah, dirty those... though well yeah, they... this is this is the thing do the stories actually outweigh yeah. what the fish do because I've heard stories of kingfish literally eating a jig and smashing their face on the bottom trying to dislodge the jig. I, I can't see how fish going into well, who, who, self-preservation mode involves who, who smashing your that? face on the reef. Who witnessed that? <laughs> but that's right, because I heard on Rex Hunt years ago, you know, it was Southwest Rocks, that they've actually seen kingfish headbutt the rocks. So you hook them on a popper. And they'll run in and headbutt the rock. And it's just like, that doesn't ever happen. No. And, and if you did, is it kind of a special kingfish? It's just sort of gone the wrong way. It's already had a knock on the head. And it's the same with mangrove jack. Like I've heard stories, hmm. oh, they're the only species that you catch that'll swim out of the snag and eat your lure on the way back into the snag rather than getting it on the way out. Like, Does that ever happen? Because... Of all the videos I've seen of Jacks, and I've never caught them, but they're in my top five bucket list yeah. just because of the stories. Like, are, are they that <laughs> Correct. good? Correct. And, well, here's one that I don't think any of us have caught, and that's the New Guinea black bass, which yes. I grew up believing was the dirtiest, uncatchable fish that there is. Like, mm. you know, mango, rods and... Yeah, mangrove jack on steroids. Can't I think, get them. I think the theme here is that we're acknowledging that Anglers are great storytellers. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. It's never our fault. We just met the greatest fish ever. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And I, I'm not sure there's any dirty fish. I think there's fish that all fight hard. Yeah, I think tackle's probably better than it ever has been. But I still think you know fish can still take line, so therefore they can run to wherever they want to run to. Mm. And I don't reckon many of them on purpose, other than the coddy things. Yep, uh, on the roof. Um, which know how to get home, yep. are dirty. Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you. I've yep. never thought of it. It's a great question. All right. Well, let's let's. I'm with you, Hardy. I'm saying that no, nah, they're not dirty, and and neither are the rest of the fish population. Ads, I'm gonna, where are you I'm going to look out. I'm going to look out specifically for a dirty fish, and yep. trust me, you'll hear about it on this podcast when I get one. Brilliant, love it. I can't wait. I, I'll probably now hook my next kingfish, and it'll snap me off on the rocks. Like, <laughs> yeah, smash his face on the rocks. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it! You'll never guess what happened. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my next question to you boys. Are bait casters, you know the reels, bait casters, any good south of the Queensland border? They are ish. <laughs> well, I think I think as we we could almost, for the sake of trying to find an answer, put a spin on it. Is are they popular south of the Queensland border? And the answer would be yes. 
But then to go back to that question, are they are they any good? Well, I don't know. That that's an opinion thing, and ads. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Well, it's it's a freshwater thing. Um, mm. I still think majority of the people that are buying bait casters in the southern states don't actually understand what they were designed for because we did see a lot of anglers coming in buying one just because they look cool because they're a little bit different you know we'd have guys that want to throw trout spinners thinking they need a bait caster or whiting fishermen that want to use a bait caster just to bait fish with but i think realistically unless it's a cod or maybe sometimes an Aussie bass, yellow belly. Basically, any time where you've got some sort of weight in the lure that you're casting, bait casters really do come in handy because they do cast and control weight a hell of a lot better than a spin reel. And it's just because the line's coming direct. It's following the spool direction. It doesn't have to come down the guides and over the arbor of a spin reel. That's why winding weight with a spin reel can be quite hard. Uh, vertical jigging is another one, I'd argue, to get a technique, a better technique jigging, switch to an overhead because it controls weight better. So you look at those species like Murray Cod or uh, Yellow Belly, you could have a lipless crank that might be quarter ounce or we're in the swim bait craze at the moment where lures can be up to six ounces. Try and do that with a spin rod. It's hard to cast accurately. It's hard to control the lure once it's in the water. Um... I think that's where it comes into its own. And that's why we just don't have that many applications for it down south. But with the growing cod fishery and the bass fishery as well, that's mm. where they've gained popularity. But if you're a brim fisherman or a trout fisherman trying to trying to cast a three-gram lure on a baitcaster, good luck. I have seen slight interest, Adam, you might have too, being in the tackle industry for ultra-light baitcast setups um, for that, for bass, but also even lighter for trout, brim, that sort of thing. Now, I, I don't think uh, across the board it will necessarily get massive momentum or legs or even take off at all, but I, certainly there is interest there. Um, I, I don't really see, in my opinion, the, the, the major benefit of it, and I might be missing something. Um, but certainly the, the biggest... Um, the most popular reason people are getting baitcasters south of this border is for Murray Cod, uh, the Queensland border is for Murray Cod and obviously anyone heading up north to chase Barra, I think. What about you, Hardy? You've used sort of bits and pieces of everything in your journey. Where are you at with this? It's interesting because the only reason I asked it is I was looking through Facebook the other night and um, there's a couple of kids down here using baitcasters catching trout and there's mm. a lot of people now using baitcasters doing that slow pitch jigging, uh, you know, and catching sort of smaller fish, I think. Um, you're absolutely right on lure weight. You know, bait casters with a decent size hard body lure, there's nothing better. You can cast them accurately and, and fish them beautifully. Um, but I, yeah, look, I've got a shed full of bait casters and beautiful venom bait caster rods. And when I fish locally, I never use them. But um, <laughs> I'm just thinking maybe I should. Like maybe, you know, maybe on things like squid, they might be good. Maybe on things like, bottom bashing for flathead not too deep of water they might be good i don't know it's just like it was just an interesting one for me because they're sitting there gathering dust and i must admit when i posed the question i forgot about cod (laughs) 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 because because all you need uh is for cod fishing and barra fishing is one baitcaster outfit really Mm. And, and i love that i love that about it you know you can go forward drive around australia and catch a cod and a barrel and a yellow belly all on the you know same one one bait caster outfit. 
so look, I forgot about the cod, but um, <laughs> yeah, look, I, I just wonder if if maybe they're more useful than we think, uh, even for not casting small lures. You touched on a really interesting one, which I hadn't considered, and it's squid fishing. Because squid jigs are quite heavy for what they are, especially now yeah. with the popularity of size 3 and 3.5 jigs and bits and pieces. They are awkward to cast on spin gear just because they're so heavy. And and Luke, to your point on it getting popular on the lighter scene, again, the gear's getting... Um, there's some reels coming out of Japan and the mm. states that are basically micro-sized feather-light bait casters but the length in rods that we're seeing in Australia now, like the, the average weight of a baitcaster rod now is between six foot three and seven foot. That, that was unheard mm. of even five years ago. They were all five foot six to yeah, six yeah. foot was a long one. And they were just these heavy brute sticks that Stiff, were just yeah. Ste- yeah, steering big barra and bits and pieces out of, out of heavy timber. So maybe there is, uh, maybe it's something I haven't caught on to as well, Luke, but, the gear's getting better, but that, that finesse baitcaster gear is horribly expensive still. You're overthinking it, Adam. You're overthinking it. It's not necessary at all. Unless you're a cod fisherman or a barrelfish. Yeah, I don't want one. I don't want to be a part of it. Just I'm, uh, I don't see the need. I don't see the need. You talk about you maybe... You look you're... so cool, Luke. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> maybe they'd be good for this. Maybe they'd be good for that. Maybe so, Hardy. Go and give it a go, but I'm just... I'm not, I'm, I don't see it. So I don't see the point. I the don't need squid it. Thing, but the squid thing, I could see it. I could see nothing else. I can't see so, I'm not sure how it works in Victoria, but the commercial calamari fishermen in Tasmania use rod and line and tinnies. That's how they catch them. And there are plenty of commercial calamari fishermen down here who use baitcasters. Just putting what? it out there, boys. <laughs> hey, I'm all for it. It's Luke you got to convince. He's the hater. That's, is that is that because they've got about 15 jigs attached to their line, or is it? No, or... no, no. You got to fish finesse. You got to fish shallow. Like you know, it's one of the great managed fisheries, actually, um, because you know there's no no netting, no bloody long lining, anything like that. You, it's just it's fishermen versus squid, and um, and look, they use light line. And you've got to use light line to hit the bites. But mm. uh, no, plenty of you use baitcasters. I, I really enjoy catching big fish on baitcasters. It's fun. Um, but as I say, I only ever pack them when I'm going to the Territory or, or something like that. And maybe it's just, maybe I've got to just take them out of the boat. Maybe I'm just going to take a baitcaster in the boat this weekend and see what it's like. Yeah, it'll either make it or break it for you. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I think I think this would be great to hear from people uh, on Instagram. Find the deep drop, uh, find the tile with this question on it, and give us your thoughts because maybe I'm overlooking something. I'm, I'm a complete. Uh, I'm 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 anti. I think. Can you not? Can you not cast some Luke? Is that the problem? <laughs> Yeah, DC, DC models only, Luke. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. No, it's okay now. The technology's fine. It can uh, people like me can handle them. But um, so there's pl- plenty of people out there use them for everything. So I'd love to hear. Actually, I think it'd be great. And maybe maybe there's some squid fishing. I, if I see someone using a bait cast of squid fishing, mate, I'm going to cruise up and shake their hand. Do, we should go squid fishing. The three of us should go out squid fishing, only using bait casters, and just see On what spin happens. rods. <laughs> Let's do it next time you're in yeah. Melbourne, Hardy. Come on, come and hit us up, and we'll. Um, We're only taking bait casters to get a bag of squid. I'd Got rather it. use. I'd probably just as soon use a hand line, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's us. That that's a good way to end it. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in, and hopefully you 
got something out of that? Or <laughs> I think maybe you've left. <laughs> may, may, I reckon maybe they you've left, did. No, maybe they've left I a got, bit more confused. I got plenty out of it. Yeah, that's I got well, lots out of it. Well, let's you know before we wrap it up, a quick recap. We've uh, we've worked out the kingfisher pussies. And, yep. they're well, and they're well overhyped. <laughs> yeah. We've learned that we're all squid fishing wrong because we need bait casters. Correct. Yeah. So, you and know, we've, we've learned, learned a lot. And we all need to ditch the braid and just use mono. Mono, yeah. 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 If we're not an infant or an elderly, then yeah. use braid. <laughs> yeah, we'll learn heaps, <laughs> mate. Cracking we're doing it. We're doing it all wrong, boys. Oh, it sounds that way. It sounds like <laughs> yeah. I've got no idea which is probably pretty accurate. Um, Hardy, your questions have been brilliant. Thank you so much for bringing them to the table. I'm not sure about the baitcaster question, to be honest. I like the other two, but the baitcaster one was... No, 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 we got that. You forgot about Murray Cod, but that's okay. How can you forget about Murray Cod, the big sacks of shit? (laughs) (laughs) They hit well, though. They hit a lure well. They hit it hard. Well, thank you for coming in, mate, because we really appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. I reckon you need to come back again sometime. Oh, unless you, you know, you might not want to after this episode. Uh, but it would be great to have you around. Um, make sure you subscribe. It doesn't cost a thing. Find it wherever you get your podcast. Go on to Instagram, find the deep drop. Give us your thoughts. Say hello. We love hearing from you. Thanks again, everyone. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Adam. Good on you guys. It's been very enjoyable. <laughs>